Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Level Up Human, the comedy science podcast souping up the homo sapien. Hello and welcome to Level Up Human, the show that looks at the human race and tries to figure out how to make it better. We're taking suggestions from our panel, from our audience and from the natural world to work out exactly what the next stage in human evolution should be. We're putting together a to-do list for human evolution. When we go for a makeover, we mean it. Our compact is a compartment for WD-40 and an angle grinder. I'm your host, Simon Watt, and today I'm joined by three prime examples of primates in the form of our guests. Judging to see if their ideas are worth incorporating into future editions of our species, on my immediate right, we have Zoe Lyons. Zoe is a fantastic comedian. You'll see her all over the country and all over your telly box, here, there, and everywhere. Um, Zoe, what kind of thing are you hoping to hear from our panellists? What would you like to see to improve our species? Well, I um, work for myself, um, freelance comedian, (laughs) uh, and I think more and more people are working for themselves. Unfortunately, I think there are more and more distractions on our planet that stop people like me (laughs) actually producing anything. So I, I... Perhaps something that would allow humans to filter... Uh, the information overload that is currently upon us and to produce, to get more out of our time than in our days. Um, this is a cry for help more than anything else. This is, this, is what I'm, this is what I'm suggesting. If we were going to get rid of procrastination, we would never have science guests coming on this. <laughs> this is basically, for some people, the way out of their thesis. <laughs> well, listen, I, I was hoovering my, my sills earlier today rather than write something. Hoovering my sills, not even wiping them down. Hoovering the sills in order not to write something. So I think, um, I think it's a big problem. I think it's a big, pro- it's a big problem in my household anyway. Well, so are dirty sills, though. So. <laughs> Mine <Okay. are> sparkly. <laughs> <laughs> and given her ideas for what we'd like to see in the next stage of humans, on my immediate left, we're joined by Maggie Alfonsi. <laughs> Maggie is an English rugby player. She was the Sunday Times Sportwoman of the Year in 2010. And you're now a sports commentator, among other things. I am a sports commentator, but um, I have to go back and say... The person who I had to beat to get that Sunday Times Sportswoman of the Year award 
was Jessica Ennis Hill. <laughs> I know, I'm never going to beat her again, so I might as well put it out there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We're also joined by Dean Burnett. Dean is both a fantastic neuroscientist and a fantastic writer. He's got the blog on Guardian, and he's even got a book out. Do you want to tell us about it? Well, I'm supposed to write the second book, but uh, you know, I feel about guilty about being here now. Thanks for that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, my book's called The Idiot Brain. It's basically the end result of doing 10 years of neuroscience and seeing this reverence with which the human brain is held. I'm getting really sick of it because it's quite rubbish in many, many ways. Uh, I'll say that uh, many, many things to talk about like that. But yes, it's about all the ways the brain is a bit naff, a bit flawed, a bit, a bit, a bit silly. Can you give us uh, an example? Uh, What's the worst thing about the brain? Oh, well, well, well that's, that'll take a while. Um, <laughs> well, for the fact it ruins our diets, for example. Like, you know, we have a digestive system which is in charge, should be in charge, of what we eat, how much we need, what food we need, how much we've eaten, then turns off and increases appetite. And then the brain gets involved and messes everything up. That's why you can sit there after like a big full meal, like sit there and groaning, like you've just eaten half a cow or you've just <laughs> eaten enough pasta to sink a gondola. <laughs> Italian reference. Um, <laughs> you sit there just go, you know, that, that, that classic sound. This would be lovely for the listeners. And then the waiter comes along and says, dessert many? Oh, yes, please. <laughs> As the brains decided, no, I want that. Stomach's going, we got to shut up you down there. I'm in charge. And you know, that's why you know, that's why I sit here looking like this. <laughs> Not only are we taking suggestions from our experts, we're also taking them from the wonderful audience here at the Winchester Discovery Centre as part of Winchester Science Festival. Please welcome everyone. So before we jump headlong into the future, our panel have brought along some news stories to show you the kind of thing which is actually happening right now. Why don't we start with you this time, Zoe? Well, actually, this links in uh, quite nicely with what I discussed at the top of the show about um, time management and productivity. Um, now, it's been known for a while that if you work in a sort of noisy, bustly environment like a cafe, people tend to get more stuff done. And research has shown that sort of a low level of ambient noise can actually help people be more productive. If, and there are even websites that you can go to to, to re recreate the atmosphere of a cafe at home. Wow, that's... Uh, <laughs> I would just lose hours, though, Googling ambient cafe noises, <laughs> and then I'd never get anything done. But um, more recent research has actually suggested that it, it's being beside people who are concentrating quite hard. Um, it, it can be contagious and can cause you to concentrate more. They've done experiments <laughs> where they've had people behind a desk working away on a project and, and, the, and the harder the project they are working on, the, the harder the people beside them then concentrate on the things they wow. are doing. So it's actually contagious um, concentration. So you don't just need to be in a, in a noisy library. You need to be around people who are actually working. And uh, so for, I don't know, find the person who seems to be beavering away the most on their laptop, sit beside them and hopefully you'll get more done. That's how I'm <laughs> going to approach it anyway. <laughs> Um, I really so, yeah. like the ambient noise part of that because that's kind of the best hope our podcast has for being listened to in some <laughs> ways. This, this is now aiding somebody to concentrate more fully. It's, it's being, I, my dulcet tones are in the background <laughs> telling that person to stop procrastinating. Don't worry about dusting the cells and <laughs> get on with that. Get to work! Says, yes, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> We've drifted into self-help. <laughs> Maggie, what's caught your eye? Um, so this one is 
basically looking at um, the amount a person consumes in terms of drinking. So they said it's looking at this glass size and shape can affect the amount you drink. Sounds very obvious. So if you drink wine out of a very big glass, you are more likely to want to drink it more and get another drink because you look at the, the wine inside the glass and think there's not enough in there, I need to go back and get some more. So research has shown that people will go and buy more alcohol or wine if they drink it out from a, a large glass. Um, and they also found from this research that if you drink beer from a tall glass, you're more likely to drink it slowly. You limit uh, and you control your pace. Where if they found if you drink beer from a curved glass, you're more likely to down it because you've got no way of regulating how fast you're going because for some reason the glass is curved so you can't really judge it properly. Hmm. So quite interesting. So looking at the size and the shape of the glass will influence how much you consume. Surely... Um, owners of bars will, will uh, latch onto this and just start serving things in massive glasses <laughs> so that people go, well, that's not enough. I need to down that. I'll get another one. I mean, it's... Well, you think about, you know, when you think of the uh, 1830 reps and they all go out clubbing out in Ibiza and you get these big fish... Yeah. Oh, you've been there. Yeah, you? yeah. Uh, and you get these big fish <laughs> bowls and, you know, people do go back and go, oh, I want more because this is not big enough. Yeah. Um, so, I, yeah, it does actually work, but you, you do kind of think... In certain pubs, you do see beer getting served in really nice thin glasses, and generally it's, it, well, it does reduce the amount of alcohol you go back to consume. So, um, yeah, you'd think pubs would want to capitalise on that. Yeah. Dean, what's caught your eye? I um, found a story recently about uh, pioneering some research into actually having a vaccine which can prevent drug addiction, which is obviously, might sound counterintuitive, because most vaccines obviously protect you against viruses, uh, their illnesses, to sort of prep your immune system to fight off pathogen or something which shouldn't be in your body anyway obviously but with drug addiction they're sort of trying to train the immune system to react quicker to whatever drug it is you know like opiates would be in this case perhaps or other heroin things and sort of just get them out of your system quicker so they don't have as much time to have the effects that they would have normally when you're you know, with heroin addiction so the brain hasn't got enough time to respond and adapt to the, the, the narcotic of choice so it does suggest that you can vaccinate someone in advance if they have problem or a tendency towards addiction to stop them feeling the effects of the drug so it's less likely to happen and I think that's obviously potentially a very useful uh, thing to have people you know, have available to people who have issues and problems like that but also does enter sort of an ethically murky area because if you can vaccinate against, vaccinate against certain habits and behaviours that suggests you can control brains in advance with certain like vaccines and injections and that's you know where does that end? But also, I, I do like the idea that obviously there's a lot of controversy and like, conspiracy against vaccines lately, but with this approach, we could end up eventually having a vaccine which, preve which prevents autism, which would cause a lot of confusion against people who are <laughs> very, very upset with vaccines. And like, I just want to see some heads explode, essentially. That would be quite entertaining. It'd be interesting to see if there were other addictions that it could... Mm. Uh, you could vaccinate again. gambling, whether you could get rid of that. Yeah, just have a vaccine of three lemons. Because, yeah. <laughs> I mean, gambling, the addiction, the addiction <laughs> must have the same... It produces a buzz. Mm. Uh, so if you it's a rewarding behaviour, yeah. Well, this might be partly a problem here, because what a vaccination against gambling would be is actually a vaccination against optimism. Because yes. that's half the problem with gambling, is we always think we're going to win. That's yeah. the... That is what the addiction is, in many ways. Yeah, it's actually a very... It's, the gambling's a weird one, because it's something called a variable reinforcement scenario, in that 
if you get, you know, if you press a button and get a reward every time, you quickly learn button means reward. But you can unlearn that. Stop getting reward. You quickly stop getting that. But mm. if it like, happens one in four times, you can, you know, every time fourth time I press this button, I get a reward. So it stops that. We still unlearn it. With a gambling, you you can't predict when it's going to happen. So, you know, you basically you you have become you know, press the button and get nothing. That's that's part of it. So you can press it like 50 times in a row and get nothing. Oh, but next time I will. But next mm. time I will. So you don't learn that there's no reward coming. And that's why it's so hard to extinguish. Wow. That's just a fact. It's not a joke or anything. That's actually. <laughs> well, it's another worry because, like, if you're getting vaccinated, surely that's the worst time to discover you really like injecting things, actually, isn't it? <laughs> Good point. To cause problem, other problems. Okay, so that's where we are sitting now. That's the kind of thing that's just happening today. But we're not going to leap into what we'd like to see in our next genome, what we'd like to see in human 2.0. So why don't we start with your pitch, Maggie? What's your suggestion? Um, so I've been thinking about this one. Uh, okay, mine would be a... We talked about genes before, so I'm going to come back to genes. I think it'd be a gene where you would always be motivated. So you were talking about the start, that mm. you'd love something to kind of um, give you something to get you going to start your day. And I think to always be motivated is such a big thing. As humans, we wake up and we always are faced with that choice where we go... Shall I do it? Shall I not? And wouldn't it be great to have a gene where you always are willing to do it? But obviously the good things, but you're always willing to, <laughs> to, to get up and go um, or go to the gym or, you know, uh, eat healthily. So you always are motivated in the right uh, to do the good things. This is, a, this is a really interesting idea. Dean, I'm sure you could tell us actually maybe a little bit more about how attention and motivation works. Because I'll, I'll give you, for instance, I'm aware that we, well, um, academic dumping and stuff is happening. There are people taking Ritalin to try and make them focus and have more attention, even if they don't need Ritalin. And a friend of mine before his finals actually did take some of this, and he said it was fantastic for helping him study as long as he didn't start playing Call of Duty. <laughs> 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 because if he did, he'd be playing it until three days later. <laughs> so yeah. it, for him, it seemed to be that th these things are perhaps being investigated, hmm. um, maybe not necessarily legally or well, um, but if you start in the wrong task, you might well be stuck there. How, how does motivation and stuff work, then, Dean? Can you tell it's us? It's an odd one because there's a lot of theories around it. And like this, like Freud was on the earlier ones, like Freud's hedonic principle. And his argument was that we're only motivated to do things we like and we are repulsed by things we don't like, which is why, you know, going to the gym isn't fun. Well, I don't think it is, personally, but <laughs> as you can tell from this uh, impressive physique. But, um, you know, so it's, you know it's, it's hard to get motivated there. Or, like, going to work, it's, like, we don't enjoy it, so it's hard to wear things we like doing getting drunk or like having, you know, playing computer games, these are fun. So, but a lot more research shows it's not that simple because people are motivated to do things they don't like. So there's an idea of you have your ought self and your sort of inner self. You have, a, you have an idea of what you want to be, an idea of what you are right now, and you want to get to that thing. So you're aware of that. So if you think, well, I want to be the boss of this company, uh, not now, so I'll have to do things which I don't like doing within reason in order to get that point. So you have to suck up to a boss you hate. Mm. Now, he's motivated to do that. I want to get this boss's approval, but God, he's awful. And then you sort of end up being quite, you know, you end up motivating to do things which you don't like. Or like, I want to be in good shape. I want to be an athlete. So I've got to go to the gym, which I hate. But anyway, I'm still got to do it. So yeah, there are lots of different factors all contributing to what motivates a person. I was thinking of actually doing more research into motivation, but I couldn't be bothered. That was half mm. the problem. <laughs> Is this on the short list? It's definitely on the short list because I could definitely benefit from this. Mm. I... Um, um, I have periods of time where I am motivated, and, I, and the thing is, you, you kind of enjoy it when you 
when you get on with stuff and you, you know, you have one of those days where you go, yeah, tick that off the list. Yeah. Even if it's just tick that off the list, it's on the list. <laughs> yeah, done that. Um, I think it makes us happier. Yeah. I think yeah. I'm much happier within myself when I'm motivated and I've achieved stuff. It's a very weird, I can remember the name of it, it's been named after a Russian scientist who discovered it. Z something or the, the Zygonark effect or something, whereby people are very motivated when they've already started. But very hard to leave a task half done. Because like when you leave something half finished, that's far more frustrating than it is you know, before you start. So once you start doing something, you tend to be a lot better at doing, getting it so done. So it's just doing that initial activity yeah, initial to get the thing, wheels is, rolling, the and then yeah. This is used in online gambling and in uh, video games an awful lot, where your character starts with a certain level of investment already. So you're given free stuff, partly because mm. the job is not done, because mm. you're already beginning. You're not starting from nothing. You're starting from something. Mm. So actually, um, how do you make sure this is focused on the right stuff, Maggie? Yeah, you said I being the right stuff. I mean, how do you, if you're always motivated, say if you're standing, standing on the edge of a cliff, thing, shouldn't jump, but... Mm. <laughs> I don't think there's a, I don't know if there's a, what the answer would be for that one. Um, <laughs> I just think, I, I would love to think that people won't always um, doubt themselves. I always like to think that if people can wake up and go, yes, I'm going to do this, yes, I'm going to do that, in a real positive way, mm. I, think the, I think the world would be a better place. Uh, just because I think... At the moment, we always opt for the, like we really highlighted, the easier option. Mm. And if we probably were a bit more optimistic about life and go, right, I'm going to go for the, the challenging side of things, then maybe we might be accomplished more, step out of our comfort zone, um, challenge ourselves. I'd be worried about a world without any self-doubt. <laughs> I'm really worried about that because we've all met those idiots. Um, <laughs> absolutely no self-doubt, <laughs> backed up by absolutely no talent. Um, uh, it's like watching the drunk cross the road, isn't it? <laughs> it's going to be all right. <laughs> um, so it, ha it would have to be refined, yeah. but, I'm, but if we could tap into that way of being posit positively motivated, then I would absolutely back that. Excellent. Okay, Dean, you're up. It's your turn. Well, uh, see, a lot of my work in writing is all about things the brain does which are wrong or weird or confusing or self-contradicting and so on like that. And a lot of it comes from the fact that the brain, the human brain, isn't just like one homogenous thing. It's lots of different bits interacting all the time, different bits doing different things at different rates and different levels, some shutting others down and so on and so on. But a lot of the time, it, you know, it basically trips itself up a lot of the time. And... I think, obviously, people are always saying, like, you know, the brain is like a computer. It's an analogy which annoys neuroscientists because it's not quite like a computer. But if you're going to go with that, let's have the brain with a drop-down menu for the settings. So basically, I want the brain to have a menu for the settings. So say, like, you know, I'm going to clean the bathroom. The toilet's dirty. Turn off the smell for 10 minutes. That's what you want. Or I'm going to go in a dark room. Let's turn on night vision now before I walk in. Or I'm going to meet some racist relatives. Let's turn down my temper for about <laughs> a half an hour. You know, or increase focus, like decrease the peripheral senses or things like that. I mean, obviously, you have to work out the finer details. But I think you should reset every time you go to sleep or something. Because you might wake up going, why am I still angry about something? Or why can't I smell anymore? And then, Because I've changed my phone settings and forgotten what I've done. And I've, that's what I've done. But I think giving the brain a drop-down menu where you can change things in advance consciously, because the conscious part of the brain which does sort of override things a lot of the time anyway, I think that would be very helpful in the long term. Stop us getting into fights and yeah. stop us uh, you know, getting flying off the handle and just being disgusted by things. Yeah, no, I can, I can see that. The only danger is that if you change the settings and you put it into a different language, then you'd never be able to get back again, yeah. would you? And that's, Good point. That's, Good point. That could be a problem. Um, but... That's quite an, that's sort of an advanced version of 
repression therapies, would it be? Or, so, you, you know, um, hmm. uh, uh, things where you are taught or, you know, you, you flush out things that, that are bad, that you don't like. Yeah, I mean, um, and I could, yeah, again, I, you see, it's quite closely related to the motivation because if you could get rid of the ne negative aspects of the, of the things surrounding a task, you know, like hmm. the smell, <laughs> hmm. then you would be more motivated to hmm. do it. So, again, it's falling in line with everything I'm looking for in life at the moment. So uh, it's in for me. Okay then. Well, Winchester, I'm sure you can do better. It is your turn. If you've got a suggestion, please put your hand up and we'll come to you now. Hi, yeah. Hi uh, my name's Marina and I'm sort of from Winchester. Um, I have a long-standing admiration for Octopi and Squid. Um, and I thought it would be absolutely amazing to have chromatophores in our own skin. Wow. So we could use it for camouflage, we could use it if we were a bit bored with our skin colour, you know, could have stripes, spots, whatever colour we fancied, we wouldn't have to go and sit under a sunbed. Is this when squid changed their colour to sort of their yes. background? And, okay. Yeah, yeah, so you could camouflage, all sorts of cool things. Ah. They are incredible. Yeah, self-tattooing, you know, you could go, I fancy an anchor on my arm, yeah, I'll have some of that. They've even got ink <laughs> if you wanted, actually, yeah. for a more permanent one. Yeah. They, they are incredible. I've, I've, got to, I've worked with some cuttlefish and stuff because cuttlefish are the master of this kind of thing. Um, because, you know, you ask anybody what's the best camouflage, everyone always shouts out, oh, it's a chameleon. And chameleons are rubbish. Mm. I've got a friend, for instance, whose chameleon really likes it when he comes in, so he turns bright red just to say hello. <laughs> but the big difference there is that their color changes are controlled through their hormones. So it's fast but it's not super fast whereas the squid mm. and the cuttlefish and things are controlled via their nerves so they're super quick they're incredible to watch i've seen videos online of you know octopus and squid that have <coughs> mimicked the, the 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 rock background that they're on and you cannot see them until they boom, take mm. off and it's yeah. it looks like sci-fi it's amazing it's, um, yeah, I think we've all had moments, you know, we've been in a room in an embarrassing situation, you felt like you don't want to be there. <laughs> literally no, you could just literally the wallpaper. Go yeah. into the background. But then you, you really have to this. You'd just be an empty suit then, wouldn't you? Because obviously <laughs> you'd yeah. strip naked first, in which case you're probably more embarrassed, at which point <laughs> yeah, that's true. not the most ideal I means of that. Yeah, what do you think, panel? I like it. I there like is an octopus, one, yeah. I think it's called a mimic octopus, that doesn't only change its colour, but it changes its yeah. shape to mimic other animals, yeah. which is pretty impressive, isn't it? It, yeah. it? it can make itself look like a flatfish or a sea snake or all sorts of different things. You just yeah, think, that's a, that's a party why trick. Why do you want to look like a snake when you're a human? We're kind of like king of the world in some ways. Oh, no. Lots of people are scared of snakes. You could, you could use that to your advantage at some point, <laughs> couldn't you? Um, but being able to look... Being able to look like somebody else. But you say that, though, then I was actually thinking of, you know, the cuttlefish, the cephalopods are generally very intelligent, very smart, frighteningly so. And I'm often thinking, oh, no, if we're ever going to be overthrown by a different species, it's probably going to be them. It's, it's okay because... Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. 
like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. See, they, they, they live in the water and we don't. As long as nothing like the sea levels rise, then... Oh, <laughs> oh now I understand what's going on. Yeah. Can't octopus live outside of water for a bit? Yeah, Haven't there been cases it. of them sort of letting themselves out of their... Um, there was a case of an octopus that was in a research lab that apparently worked out how to get out of his tank, went across the room to another tank where there's some fish, had a nice fish supper, <laughs> went across the floor again, went back in his tank, and they couldn't really work out where these fish were going, and then one day they caught him in the act. I think that octopus is used in Finding Dory. The new book. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, it is. I think that actually, that's is that how they plot. find Dory? Yeah, yeah. They just say, go. Yeah, a land octopus who just gets out and wanders around. That's, that's one of the characters, so... Obviously, it's made an impact. I, I do love cephalopods. I can see why. When we, when we Does see smart, that octopus get rights for this? No. Uh, they should. They probably, they probably understand that, don't they? Well, just when we were saying they're smart, they're smart for calamari. It's not like... Yeah. They're, <laughs> they're not their legal they're system. They're not so yet, smart to avoid the batter, are they? That's yeah. the, but they are amazing things. I, I learned scuba dive a couple of years ago, and the most incredible thing I've seen is, is cuttlefish and the electric blue... Um, rims that go around the side of them when, you know, as they're sort of, I don't know, communicating with each other or whatever, just showing off, I don't know, but it, <laughs> the colours are incredible. I know guys in Subarus who are doing that. As they yeah. <laughs> is this really much better? This so, is, is that in? That's so in. Chromatophores, well done. Give everybody a round of applause. Hello, uh, Crispian. Um, I was thinking that human evolution has been very bad at um, making us believe things that aren't true and believe nonsense and misinformation. So I was perhaps thinking perhaps we could reverse that and evolve some sort of things so while people are talking nonsense and misinformation, some sort of klaxon or alarm could be going <laughs> off or some sort of spinning light above their head. So when a particular politician is telling something about immigrants that are, that's not true or something about homeopathy or, or that vaccines cause autism or, or something like this, then the whole time that they're speaking, we're not violating their free speech. It's just that a, a big klaxon is going off the whole time and <laughs> letting us know that it's complete nonsense so that we can perhaps make better decisions on, on all sorts of things. Perhaps we could even vote a little bit better. Yeah. Gosh, it would have been deafening, wouldn't it, the, during the referendum? We wouldn't have been able to hear each other talk. It would have just been a whoop, whoop, whoop. Um, oh, now... Oh, well, Whilst I, I can see the good in this, because I can see the good in this, particularly in light of the EU referendum, where we now clearly know that a lot of people were talking uh, fast and loose with not very much fact attached to it. Um, I think the, the ability to lie and the need to lie is quite 
innate in human beings because it can be used for good as well as bad. Do you, so if we got rid of all of that, you'd never have a surprise party again, would you? You'd never have... Nothing's happening on Sunday, Nana, to mark your 90th birthday. Whoop, whoop, whoop. Um, Just killed Nana with a second. No, yeah, yeah. Nana's 90th raise. The Glaxon sound. I can totally see the good. I can also see the potential for bad in this as well. What do you think, Donald? Um, I think if you read... Um, Oliver Sacks, man who mistook his wife for a hat. We humans do sort of have this ability already in that people with like, aphasia patients, people who can't understand language anymore, so they only ever learn to detect tone and body language, or this other disorder where people can't pick up on um, it's like the opposite way around. They can only they only understand words and sort of language structure, they don't pick up any inflection. Both these groups of people were watching like the president's speech at the time. I don't know which one it was, maybe um, I think uh, it was Nixon. I think it was Nixon or one of those, yeah. And they were like either laughing at him or just furious because they could tell he was lying constantly because he was doing the you know, the mannerisms which, if you don't listen to the language, you can tell that's just trying to convince you of things. It's like a pantomime to them. But if you listen to the language structure, they could tell far more without any inflection or tone. They could tell that this is just nonsense. He's just saying, no, none of these words mean anything. You know, standalone things. So mm. it's it's just like we do actually have that ability. It's just that when we put it all together, we lose that specificity. So. It might be just a matter of training rather than evolution. Treating what we've already got. Well, th there's a secondary question here because, of course, one of the things that in nature, when we're looking for intelligence, one of the best ways of finding intelligence is we look for the animals that lie. Because in order to lie, you have to be able to understand some other creature's perspective. So um, is lying making us smarter? But that way you can you can find more intelligent species easier. Like you're in the jungle, whoop, whoop, hey, there's the smart, <laughs> smart chimps over there. That's yeah, well, chimps do do it, don't they? Yeah, like, yeah, you know, they, they find food and then they lead the troop off in other mm. directions, that kind of stuff. We could also argue, like, the back to the cuttlefish, you could also argue that is lying, technically. You know, it's octopus mimicking a snake. Octopus knows it's not a snake, but mm -hmm. you know, it's, a, it's a form of lying, camouflage. I don't know if they're conscious for it. Like, I don't know if well, the really fish feels guilty for the deceit it's been. <laughs> <laughs> you always see them just cackling like this. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, is that the short list? Is, can we call it truthometer? Oh, okay. Is that a good enough name? Misinformation class. Misinformation class. That sounds like a burlesque performer. <laughs> I hope you realize that. I like where you're coming from. I think, given the deafening din that it would produce every time we turn the news on, uh, <laughs> Our, uh, our, our sense of, of um, uh, uh, our, the ambience would be destroyed, I think. And I think, knowing myself, I, I have been known to lie. And no. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm telling the truth here, my friend. <laughs> and um, I would hate to be, have to give that up. So I'm afraid it's a no. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Sorry, Crispin. I like the idea, actually, of our entire parliament turning into sort of three-part harmony klaxons <laughs> for lies. But it's all right, I'm afraid. Hi, I'm David. Um, I propose that we should take a leaf out of the rabbit's uh, book, um, their ability to reabsorb the fetus. Um, on the micro, that, this could do away with the morning-after pill, mm -hmm. and on a macro, we could do things like, if we become too bossy as a species and endanger too many, then uh, there could be a, a collective uh, reabsorption of fetus and effective um, downgrading of our fertility. 
until things have sorted themselves out on, um, in, in the world or the universe, then we can start breeding again. What do you think, panel? Selective reabsorption for humans. It's a good idea. I didn't know rabbits could do this. <laughs> really? Rabbits can do this. They, yeah. they do this. They, they, they just reabsorb the fetus and, and they also survive to the next season. Do they? Yeah, sometimes. Oh, come on, you didn't see that in Wallship Down, did you? Um, <laughs> so, uh, at what point can they reabsorb? Up until what point can they reabsorb the fetus? I want to. Is it. I don't know how well, well, rabbits do it um, purely on. Uh, um, as a, as a function of how much food is out there, yeah, um, and and so they they will just um, they will live to survive till the next season where they will breed. Hopefully, there will be more food, but we yeah. could have a developed version of that. Um, mm. I can see the benefit for this. If you sort of <laughs> become accidentally pregnant, and you think, well, um, well, now's as good a time as any. Let's have a family, and then you get an unexpected bill, and you think. <laughs> Um. <laughs> Do you know, maybe, is there, is there a secondary thing for this? Because, okay, the rabbits are doing it in response to food, but let's be honest, so many of us have woken up next to someone who, for want of a better word, we can call a momentary lapse in judgment. Mm. Um, you know, would that be a good time to have the effect? Possibly, yeah. I, yeah. Um, I, yeah. I, I but, think then, but then again, people always say there's never a good time to have children, are there? And if you kept putting it off, we might just disappear completely. <laughs> we might, because we become so selfish, haven't we, as human beings, sort of, you know, um, might, it might be the end of humanity. Um, I mean, population increase, we're, uh, we're, um, we're, populations are rising. How many have we got in Britain now? 67 million? Do we need any more? I don't know. <laughs> Do we need more kids? Not sure. Um, I think that also basically attributes people with far more noble ambitions than we, we have ever demonstrated ever. It's like, yeah. I would have children, but uh, the world population is just not really sustainable. Yeah. Like now, that, that isn't really factored into most people's discussions. But also, I, I can see that the logic behind this, but all I can think of is, what, what will the Pope say? I mean, yeah. <laughs> already conception is bad. Letter, like, you well, can do what? Yeah. <laughs> I think there's going to be a lot more hassle for, well, particularly women, obviously, will have to do this. And then that's, I mean, I think they get enough hassle as it is. There are no Catholic rabbits, which is kind of ironic oh. when you look at how they breed. <laughs> <laughs> Keep on going. There is actually I such a thing as vanishing twins in humans, where fetuses reabsorb each other. So really? And then what happens? They just... Go you end up having two people's DNA, in you? So it's a... Uh, One person emerges, isn't it? It's not like, they don't just both... Whoa. <laughs> it's like the scene from The Shining. Yeah. Um, I'm not convinced about this one, but it has made me want to look into rabbits more thoroughly <laughs> and, and their various skills. Um, uh, thank you, Deb. I think I'm going, to put, I'm going to put this one on hold for a while. Very much like the fetus. I'm going to put this one on hold. Sorry, David. Hello, Nick. Um, Nick. I don't know, much in the same manner as reptiles, starfish, uh, the ability to shed a limb in a traumatic uh, incident. So, you know, oop, crashed a car, legs pinned, I'll just pop those off and grow them back later. <laughs> so the ability to take off your limbs. Re yeah, shed a limb, limbs. defensively or as a precautionary measure. Hmm. What do you reckon? Mm. Um, I can see a lot of use for that, but you ever seen Spider-Man? <laughs> The, 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 the lizard was actually trying to do this, one of his arch enemies. So I, 
I don't want to be a supervillain. <laughs> Just gonna put that out there. I don't believe you. I mean, why else is anyone a scientist? Yeah, but not not that, that sort of supervillain. Doomsday <laughs> devices, labs. That's what I want to do. I don't be like reptile man stalking the streets. That's just coarse. Maggie, as as a like as a person who's doing rugby stuff and injuries all the time, surely this is this kind of regrowth would be particularly useful. I think it'd be amazing. The only problem. I, I would see in it is how long would it take for my limb to grow back because if I've got to run a 100 meter race the next day <laughs> and I didn't have my leg I'd be quite stuffed there'd be that but awkward mid-growth bit as well yeah, wouldn't there you know when you like sort of well it's not quite there and yeah. like when you've had a haircut and you're sort of waiting for it to get back to a normal look, you'd be like yeah I mean that awkward mid sort of limb period where it's <laughs> I, I guess that's you know do you want six months out or a lifetime out uh, true. Oh, true. Yeah. Also, but um, I think yeah. this might make us more reckless as human beings, and therefore yeah. that will affect my car insurance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I don't know whether it's a good thing. So is this out? I think it's out Although, purely on a selfish level. <laughs> I don't mind my car insurance premiums going up. People are like, doesn't matter. Just, I drive a car with another leg. That's quickly. Would the new limb be like a younger limb, or be as old as the rest of your body? Because then oh, yeah. probably one one young leg, and you're sort of like <laughs> 80 years old. Just like, this is this is unwieldy. <laughs> it's Jonathan. Um, I was thinking that human bodies should have a diagnostic mode. What's a diagnostic mode? So you just, you can put your body, you can, if you go to the doctor, they can, like, hook you up and they can just, uh, in the same way an engineer would di diagnose a machine, they'd sort of turn on and off different parts for you and find out exactly what's wrong and just save a lot of, because, you know, right now, bodies are very stupid in terms of finding out what's wrong with you, sort of, particularly internally. So we spend lots of money building like expensive machines that uh, fill hospitals. Uh, we wouldn't need them anymore, and we'd just be have hospitals full of uh, treatments. Mm. What do you think? I, like it. I have no issue with that. That's good. I have no issue with that. <laughs> How can we make this happen for the brain? Um, well, yeah, that's part of the problem. There. That's why MRI scanners are so hard and tricky to do because. The brain's never off, is it? That's the thing is, it's always active, it's always doing something. So trying to find a little bit that's going wrong, a little bit you're looking at, is very much the whole needle and haystack thing. So if you could shut down the whole thing and just have one bit running, that would be helpful. But also it would mean you're dead. So <laughs> that, that also is a drawback, I suppose. It's, yeah, significant side effect, I think. There in some <laughs> well, ways. you wouldn't be dead if, the, if, it, if diagnostic yeah, mode yeah, it would be like... Because <laughs> you'd be dead now because we don't have a diagnostic mode but you'd just be in, like, low-power mode what, if, if, we ha if, if we had this evolutionary step. What's the closest we could actually get, Dean? Because like, you hear hippies talking about meditation as being something equivalent to this as a kind of... Closest down. I can think of is technically hibernation because that is, like, your body in as low-energy state as possible. And that's actually something I'm always fascinated about because sleep is a thing people think the brain shut down. It's not. It's very active. But also it's... Um, it's like hibernating animals. We all we all need sleep. All creatures need sleep. But hibernating animals, they're so low energy, mm. they have to wake up in order to sleep. Yeah. So the, the, the brains have to get more active in order to sleep. So you have to be more active in order to sleep while you're hibernating, which is just confusing. <laughs> do you know something here, sir? Yeah, could we not do something like dolphins and whales do, where they shut off half their brain 
and just keep the other active while they mm. sleep and then they can switch and over and turn the other side on again. The, the word shutting off is difficult here because th this is half the problem is that sleep is an incredible process in its own right. So mm. whenever dolphins are, is it called unihemispheric sleep? Yeah, hemispherical task division or something, yeah. It's, yeah. So it doesn't mean that, so like it's, it's maybe not a, sleep is not a diagnostic mode, I guess. We need something else, a way of pimping this and doing it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But we're this looking for methods. I'm all for it because um, uh, my mother is a terrible hypochondriac and I spend a lot of time chatting with her about the things that she doesn't have. Um, but she's Googled it and, um, you know, she's like, I'm pretty sure it's, um, it's bad this time, so it's the Black Death. I'm like, I think, <laughs> I think it's a spot of eczema, Mum. So I, this would cut out a lot of time of people self-diagnosing and googling their own illnesses um, and it would certainly save me an awful lot of time uh, with my own particular mother so I, I I'm back in this I also one. like the idea you can go to the mechanic to get diagnosed yeah that would be yeah a lot of pressure off the NHS go to quick fit quick fit Ooh. yeah oh you got six months yeah <laughs> does all diagnosis from now on have to involve <laughs> yeah. it's gonna cost you it's part of it so this is in it's Jonathan's in. suggestion in. of diagnostic mode Okay, now before we get cracking on and you get to the side, Zoe, we've got one final suggestion from Mother Nature. Um, can you describe this creature for the people at home? That looks like a... I'm looking at um, what's quite clearly a very small fly bug thing because there's an indicator to say it's, it's just over a millimetre long. It's probably two millimetres long. Um, it looks like a sort of lousy hmm. flea. It's called a plant hopper. So oh. you might see these on your rivet bushes and that kind of thing. The reason I'm showing you this is because, uh, well, this is the young one, and it's got something I think is utterly incredible. Uh, again, the very, one of the most athletic creatures out there can do bounds 10 times its size. Um, but to help it when it's young, because it, coordinating your legs is really, really hard, and you have to, if you want to jump straight, they have to fire their legs off within 30, milli, sorry, 30 microseconds of each other, which is you know, faster than neurons can fire, actually. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's got gears which lock together its teeth when it's young and not used to using its legs. It's got training wheels, effectively. Wow. These interlocking bits in its legs. So, when we're babies, we can't really walk or crawl or anything. Why about we nick training wheels for them? Absolutely, like stabilizers. Oh, I love it. Does it have a little red flag on the back as well? <laughs> like, you want all children to have spooky ducks. Spooky, yeah. Yeah, I'm... Oh, I'm thoroughly backing that. That's fantastic. And do they do they lose their gears as they grow older? Yeah, or? so it seems to be they lose them as they as they get up as they, they go through instars. Goes so from manual to an automatic as it gets older. <laughs> That's what happens. Yeah, great. Or um, actually, maybe from an automatic to a manual, more accurately, because they're this yes, one indeed. Yes, indeed. Um, well, 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 why not? I'm gonna um, I'm gonna say why not actually. Um, oh. I currently have a baby, uh, Simon as well, and. As cute as it's they not are. the same one, actually. No. <laughs> Just to make that sound. No. Well, mine looks like his. Hmm. Um, <laughs> beautiful children. Yes, yeah, I know. Bearing uh, in mind people can't see us in this podcast. No, we can get away with that. But basically, um, babies are lovely, but when they soil themselves, that gets everywhere. Now, it's bad enough as they are, but if they had gears and spokes as well, that's going to take two hours to clean that. <laughs> I, I, I am not doing that. It's a simply point. And I think a lot of parents would feel the same. No. You'd have to I draw the line it. at spokes and axles. 
yeah, I hadn't really thought that through. <laughs> it through. I, yeah, I suppose not having children, I've never had that pleasure. But oh, yeah, yeah, you'd have to sort of jet wash it, wouldn't you? Sort of get the <laughs> I took his, I took his nappy off from yesterday. It was like a poonami had <laughs> spread all across his back. Like yeah. The, the quantity does go yeah. up. It just goes down. It's like it's got a mind of its own, doesn't it? Just so if you're premises, adding cogs premises. to that, if you're adding cogs to that, yeah, yeah there will be a build-up over time, won't there? I suppose that's... Um, I'm, go I'm going to bow to your greater knowledge on this, and um, yeah. Okay, the gears Sorry, are right. Sorry, the ge gears are off. Sorry, plant hopper. Okay, you've made this hard for yourself, Zoe. They've got a lot to choose from here. Do you want Maggie's suggestion of constant motivation? Do you want Dean's idea of optional senses, a control panel to alter how we feel our things, or how we sense things? Marina's idea of chromatophores in the skin, like a cephalopod. We've also got misinformation klaxon. Oh, no, sorry, that one was out. Sorry, klaxon. <laughs> um, oh, or finally, uh, Jonathan's diagnostic mode for the body. Right. Hard one. Um, I'm keen on Maggie's motivation, but I think it does need tweaking. Um, if we could make it positively motivated all the time, then that would be good. Um, then it might become quite irritating. Because yeah, I like do Mr. Know Motivator, do you remember him? Yeah, Mr. Motivator. We all have to wear lycra and headbands. <laughs> and I have met people who are very motivated all of the time. And after about half an hour, it gets a little bit tiring. Um, Imagine if that was your super ego, everyone, actually. Just Mr. Motivator shouting at you in your head <laughs> all the time. So it's a close one. It's a close one this week. It's just for the sheer fun and excitement of it, I'm going to go with Marina's squid skin. Um, yeah. Because I... Hey. So you never squid have that problem anymore of you know what to wear. You'd be like, I just wear my surroundings. I'm going to look amazing. Squid skin is in. How do you feel, Marina? Yeah, pretty good. I mean, I think it could have also other applications. You could have, use it as a warning system like wasps do. If you're in a particularly bad mood and you don't want anyone to come anywhere near you. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I'm glad you've thought that through. This sounds like... <laughs> you have thought it through, haven't you, Marie? Yeah. yeah. I, I just love the idea of a squid rave, you know. We're all <laughs> well, you heard it here first. Squid skin it is. We're going to take that forward. We're going to add that idea as if it's genetically modified legumes to the peanut butter and jelly sandwich of our species. Before we go off, we've got one final thing to do. I'd love you to give a huge round of applause and thank you to our guests. We've had Zoe Lyons. We've had Maggie Alfonsi. We've had Dean Burnett. We've also had the wonderful audience here at Winchester Discovery Centre as part of Winchester Science Festival. I've been your host, Simon Watts. Thank you and good night. That was Level Up Human, hosted by Simon Watt, produced by Rachel Wheely and supported by the Wellcome Trust. For more information, go to leveluphuman.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.